Hi, welcome to the podcast. I am Joe Posnanski, and with me is Michael Shore. Michael, welcome. Joe, thanks for having me. You know, I, I am not the only person to say this, but once you got that microphone, your voice became velvety. It did. I, I, I'm, I would be lying if I didn't tell you that hearing the sound of my own voice in this top-of-the-line $80 microphone <laughs> that I purchased through the headphones that came with the microphone, I would be lying if I didn't say that, it, that I felt velvety. Like, yeah. I feel like it's a much different experience to do this, let's call it quasi-professionally, <laughs> instead of the way we were doing it, which, is, which was real Mickey Mouse amateur hour type stuff. I feel you know, much more velvety. It, it's amazing uh, for those of you that that this is your first time again, as as Michael always says, welcome, welcome yeah. to the show. Um, but if this is your first time, you you might be unaware that uh, Michael, the last time we we did this, he he got a microphone for the first time, sounded very different, and and I would say the the most disconcerting part of that was how many people emailed or yeah. or tweeted about. <laughs> Oh my gosh! How, you guys sound great. I thank you, thank you. Which just tells me how terrible it was beforehand. Right. It said two things. Right. It said how terrible it sounded before. That's the obvious first thing. But the second thing is, uh, you know, non-denominal, non-denominational. God bless all of the people who were listening to it because it, it really made you feel like there were people who were who were tuning into this podcast and like hanging on by a thread, just like barely just week after week. Like, do I really want to put myself through that? It's so bad. It sounds so bad. Okay, fine. And so to all of those people, we would like to express a heartfelt thank you for bearing with us as, as I shouted from two feet away from my desktop (laughs) computer into the like non unidirectional microphone that comes standard in all desktop computers. And all of the ambient sound and nonsense was picked up by the same microphone. Thank you for, Sticking through us, sticking sticking through it with us for whatever it was a hundred and hundred and five <laughs> before before we finally uh, splurged for the dollar microphone. What could those people have possibly been thinking? Like, what could possibly have been going through their minds? I don't know. I mean, I think uh, you would have to say that for some uh, reason they were interested in what we had to say, not only about various uh, topics in sports, but also. In terms of our draft, which which uh, pieces of currency we wanted to draft, or which colors or numbers between one and ten, or whatever Halloween candy, for some reason that had connected with them, and they were willing to stick it out uh, through these the awful auditory nightmare that was the podcast until last week. So thank you, sincere thank you, and uh, and by the way, if you if you have other tips for us. On ways- <laughs> <laughs> on ways that we can improve your experience because uh you know we it took us a it took us five or six years to get a microphone so it's pretty clear we don't know what we're doing yeah well i mean as as people know not only did we come up with uh, a microphone but also right sound, sound effects. effects yeah sound effects so <laughs> It's definitely a whole different experience listening now. Now, um, yeah, here, here's the thing, though. My new uh, crystal clear, velvety, dulcet tones are a little bit undermined by you are recovering from an illness. Right? Yes, I am. And I was going to say, uh, for those of you that appreciate how Michael sounds, um, I will sound horrible because I am coming off just, you know, I always say 
when I get the flu, I always say, you know, it's not that bad. I, I get a flu shot and it's usually, you know, somewhat mitigated. I don't know what flu hit me this year, but it was, it's literally the worst flu I've had since I was like ever. I, really? I don't even know. Yeah, it was horrible. Just horrible. I couldn't, I couldn't move. I, I just, you know, and I'm, I'm just a couple of days removed from that. So, so even though my voice sounds a little bit craggly, uh, I feel fine. So I'm, I'm through the worst of it. I know you were concerned. Um, <laughs> But but my voice my voice is still off, so that will mitigate. I think so. People won't think we're getting too professional. Yeah. Uh, I'll just come at it with with my with my horrific voice. You don't um, want to be you don't want to you don't want to be too good because then people are like, well, you know, that was a perfect podcast. I don't need to listen <laughs> to this anymore. You want to give people something to look forward to. Yeah, that yeah, And you don't want people thinking we've sold out. You know, anything gets. <laughs> too professional and suddenly they're like oh i liked him in the early days when they were talking through tin cans and you know you don't want that you don't you don't want you want to you want to make sure they understand we still don't know what we're doing right we still want to be as punk rock as we were like two years ago <laughs> so that people don't think we went corporate <laughs> speaking of corporate we have a, a an actual sponsor this week Great. Which, by the way, I know the sponsor will very much appreciate me reading this in my new craggly voice, right? I mean, they'll <laughs> they'll, they'll feel like they got their money's worth uh, for me doing that. Do they get uh, like some kind of discount or something? <laughs> if if they if they pay to do this, I don't even think that our sponsors actually pay. I think they just were like, yeah, just make it, give them, let them say something about us, all right? But we're not paying you for that. I think so. Uh, our sponsor is Blue Apron. Uh, actually, it's, it's uh, they're a they're a regular sponsor for us, so we love the people at Blue Apron. Uh, Blue Apron is the number one fresh ingredient and recipe delivery service in the country. Uh, they make uh, incredible home cooking accessible to everyone. Way it works is you uh, go to blueapron.com, you choose meals. Uh, I think you can choose up to three meals um, for one week. They send you. Uh, the ingredients and the recipes for how to do it. And these are not like boxed ingredients or any of that. You know, it's, it's not like that. They're like actual ingredients, fresh ingredients, straight from, from the farm, according to this thing right here. I, I believe that. Um, and we've done this uh, at our family. We have we have uh, gotten the Blue Apron um, recipes before and, and had them delivered. They're fun to make. It's really cool. And... I say with my voice about to give way. <laughs> if you go to blueapron.com slash podcast, P-O-S-C-A-S-T, you get your first three meals free. See, I, I forgot to mention that last time that we were uh, doing this. But but yeah, that's that's how great this place is. They they are basically saying if you are the kind of person who will listen to this show, you're the kind of person who would love Blue Apron. Here's what I, here's what I love about what's happening right now. There's several okay. things. Number one is it's extremely yep. funny that the sponsor is a company that sort of advertises like healthy, fresh ingredients and like <laughs> like it's just like all of the words of like healthy, fresh, like all that stuff being read by sounding like you sound like you're about to die it sounds about like to die, basically. yeah it yes. sounds like the, the the only appropriate sponsor for this podcast right now 
is like uh, some kind of medical services corporation that does end of life care. <laughs> so, not not a not a company that's like eat our delicious healthy food. I mean, it's it couldn't be a worse match between voice and and copy. I would say. Yeah, I I could see that. I can see that. Um, the second thing I love is just that anyone wants to sponsor this podcast. <laughs> You know that they want to sponsor it because they hear like, oh, hey, these two guys talk about sports and life and it'd be a great thing. And they'd be like, oh, yeah, I want in on that. And then they hear it for the first time. Well, this is our we have to uh, go by what we previously expressed is what we believe is happening, which is that no one's ever actually listened. The people who are sponsoring have never listened. Right. We have to assume that that's the case. Maybe well, they're I've- just looking at like a, a, a spreadsheet that says so-and-so many listeners, this is the subject matter. Okay, that sounds good. That fits our kind of corporate marketing strategy or whatever. But, they, but there's no way they've listened to it, right? Well, no. And, and at some point they do. At some point they listen to it. And right now they're listening to it somewhere <laughs> in America. And they're saying that guy sounds like he's going to die. Okay. He's talking about our fresh ingredients. Yeah. This is this is literally going to make people not want to go to blueapron.com. Yeah. So, you know, and then they're going to call and fire somebody. We will be responsible for somebody getting fired. Wasn't it the case that um the uh, I hope this isn't slanderous, but I believe that Dr. Atkins of the famous Dr. Atkins diet was yes. morbidly obese. Do you know that? Is, Have you heard that? Is, I who is the there's one of those doctors who um, was talk about long life and then died jogging. I don't remember which doctor that was. I don't. Yeah, well, I I believe I read somewhere and it could be totally apocryphal that Doctor Atkins of the Atkins diet, which was the one where it was like eat bacon and and hamburgers. <laughs> that one, just don't eat the bread and you're fine. Um, I think that that guy was very overweight. And like, wow. and it was, and it was this thing where it was like he was giving people, and you know, I don't know what the actual medical science behind the Atkins diet is or how sustainable it is. I understand it's like low carb, mean you know, don't eat sugar, and sugars metabolizes into blah 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 blah. But it may be totally true. But I believe that I don't believe he practiced what he preached. I believe he was uh, was an overweight gentleman. So anyway, the point is, it's, yes. is this, I'm drawing a parallel between that <laughs> potential thing and you, a, a consumptive man who needs to go to the, to a, like a mountain retreat and breathe <laughs> in the cold air with like a blanket over your legs, reading a ad copy about a, a company that advertises healthy, fresh food. So basically, I'm the Dr. Atkins in this scenario. Is what I'm not saying. saying you are Dr. Atkins. I'm, I'm saying in life, sometimes there are situations where people at, are saying things in, in, and it's ironic because of the actual health of the person I who's see. saying them. I yeah. see. Yeah. This is not helping us with the Blue Apron people <laughs> at all. Even even a little bit not helping us. Even a little bit. <laughs> all right. You know what? Here's the, I'm going to go. I'm going to try this Blue Apron thing. My wife and I have been wanting to try it for a while. So I'm going to yes! try it. I'm going to try it. And, and uh, next time we do this, I'll give you a full report. Well, I, I fully uh, expect that. And you will yeah. go to uh, blueapron.com slash podcast, right? Yes, of course I will. I want to get my first three meals free. Sounds there great. There you go. By the way, that was as smooth a uh, an advertising <laughs> thing as we've ever done right there. The question of is, did we, did, did we fool them? Did we fool no. the Blue Apron people? No, because that, okay. they turned this thing off four seconds in to my little thing. Because they were yeah, like, that's, that's that guy sounds like he's going to die. Jeez. <laughs> 
All right, we're talking this week. Of course, we're talking about the Super Bowl. That's why we're doing this. I am coming off of my deathbed right. to do this because the Super Bowl is coming up, and it's your it's the Patriots and it's the Falcons, and we're not going to talk as much about the game because you know you'll get that everywhere. We're going to talk a little bit about something very very specific. Um, it was during last week's championship game uh, with the Patriots and the Steelers, and I believe. The Patriots were up, I don't know, by 200 points, I think. I don't remember what the final score was. Um, But I sent my good friend Michael Shore a text basically saying, hey, congratulations, another Super Bowl. What is this, like 77 for you or whatever? And, and, And my good friend Michael Shore wrote back to me basically... Don't don't talk to me. You're you're gonna jinx it. Like don't basically. I I'm not gonna talk about this. It's not even the fourth quarter. Just 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 I'll I'll get back to you later. And I I have to admit, uh, I was taken aback because that is of course how I would respond because I'm a fan of the Cleveland Browns and the Cleveland Browns will inevitably lose the game. Um, but the Patriots never lose ever, and they go to the Super Bowl every year ridiculously so Mm -hmm. and yet you still have this like fan response this this nervousness and this fan and i just i just want to talk about that i i i think it's i think it's kind of a sickness i'm not gonna lie to you i think it's kind of a sickness but but i want you to explain to me what it is like to be a patriots fan in the world where the patriots basically win every year okay so there's a lot going on here there's a lot to unpack um, yes, there is. The, you said, what will this be for you, Super Bowl number 248? Right. I responded, refusing to answer on the grounds that it is the third <laughs> quarter. You wrote, it's 33-9, to nine and the Steelers couldn't stop the Patriots with cannons. And then we stopped texting for a while because I was That's too right. nervous. Because you were um, too nervous. And after the game ended, right after the game ended, sort of as a joke, I texted back to you, I am now ready to concede that the Patriots have a good chance of winning. That was as Bill <laughs> Belichick was walking onto the field. So here's the deal. And, and I begin this as I begin every discussion of not only Patriots fandom, but New England sports fandom in general over the last however many uh, years now, 15, 16 years, by saying I have no complaints. I've had it. I've had the best run of, of that anyone has ever had in any yes. era, bar none. In the, since two thousand one, it's four Super Bowl wins, three World Series titles, an NBA championship, and a Stanley Cup, and two additional Super Bowl appearances, and three or four more AFC Championship appearances, and three or four more playoff runs for the Red Sox. Like, there's no. I mean, it's insane. It, it's it's and, nuts. and and no part of me feels like uh, I'm anything but the luckiest guy in the world. So blanket statement from the beginning. The second thing is specifically about watching the Patriots play because of all of the teams I root for, they've had obviously the most insane, the most consistent success of any of those four very successful franchises to the point where the statistics that come out at the end of every season are absurd. You pointed you pointed out one to me. I believe it was you who said that Joe Thomas, the all-world uh, left tackle for the Cleveland Browns, was drafted in 2007 and has lost almost exactly the same number of <laughs> football games since 2007 as Bill Belichick has is in, in his entire coaching career, in including coaching career. 
including five years where he coached the Browns, which is which where you're bound to lose a million games. So, um, yeah, the, the, it's it truly absurd. And I think that my what happens to me when I watch the Patriots isn't has is almost nothing to do with the Patriots. It has a lot more to do with football. I find the basic act of watching football to be like existentially horrifying, uh, even when I don't have a rooting interest in the game. It's it's a, it's become a very like uh, it's just a very heart pounding and scary experience to watch a football game. I enjoy it. This is I know again I know how I sound. But I enjoy it way more when I'm watching a game in which my team is not playing. Like, I just find that experience much more enjoyable. I loved, loved the Packers-Cowboys playoff game. Like, I watched yeah. it I watched it with my son, and it was it's such a wonderful game and had such great plays on both sides of the ball from both teams. And that Aaron Rodgers throw was maybe the greatest single throw <laughs> I've ever seen in, in a football game. And I could just enjoy it because I wasn't, I didn't care about the outcome. I had no rooting interest at all. And so I think a lot of it, a lot of the nervousness just has to do with the game itself and with how unpredictable it is and how like sort of like a heart pounding it is. And then the last part of this, and then I'll stop talking, is for so long when you were a New England sports fan, I, I'm primarily a baseball fan. Baseball is my favorite sport, as you well know. And sure. when, you're, when you grow up as a Red Sox fan, your default setting is failure. Like, at least it was in my era. Your default setting is heartbreak and failure. That had, that's how it had always been. That's what it was going to be. That's what happened in, in 1995. It's what happened in 1999. It's what happened in 2003, obviously. And so... That when they started overcoming those uh, those sort of bad odds situations and, and actually winning, when they came back in 2004, they won again in 2007, they won in 2013, and they pretty much are competitive most years. Or you know, Theo Epstein's famous declaration was he wanted to make the playoffs seven out of every ten years. Right. They do that, and that's what they do. And so now they're just like a really well-run top-line franchise that drafts well and makes good decisions and isn't racist and does a bunch of <laughs> smart stuff. And so I, I do believe that some of, and also they've won three times, so I believe that part of my like um, angst or whatever you want to call it watching the Patriots is just has been transferred over from the Red Sox. There's no, there's no like angst anymore when it comes to the Red Sox because the game is different. It unfolds much more slowly and it and they don't have this kind of history of failure and miserable mismanagement and racism to to kind of like, you know, suck the life out of and the joy out of your soul. And I believe that some of that like childhood stuff has now been transferred over to the Patriots, even though the Patriots also win, in fact, win more regularly and with with an, uh, a greater frequency than the than the Red Sox do. But I think it's there is some weird thing of like expecting failure that I grew up with that can't, that won't go away. It's, it's like a neutron star of failure <laughs> expectation that's really dense and tiny and buried down deep in my soul that I can't get rid of no matter how hard I try. Well, so that's I think that's, that's the whole picture, I think. Well, that's the thing, though. At some point, that has to go away. I mean, at some point, the because, the, you know, with the Red Sox, uh, with any baseball team generally – uh, with the Celtics, with the with the uh, Bruins, hey, they lose more often than they win. Uh, you know, as far as championships go, uh, the, even when they're very very good, 
you know, the Red Sox are still, they've, they've won three World Series, uh, you know, since 2004, and they've made the playoffs some, but, but I mean, that's, that's a lot less than they've actually, than, you know, they've, they've lost a lot more often than they've won. Sure. The, the Patriots are there every single, I mean, the, the, the statistics are outrageous, and I know you sent this to me, but it's basically, what, what is it? Is there, is it one time since 2001 or two times that there's been a quarterback other than Peyton Manning uh, or or Tom Brady that has won the AFC. What is that like absurd statistic? I can't remember. I mean, other than Peyton Roethlisberger and Brady, the only one, the only quarterback besides one of those three guys since 2001 who's made it to the Super Bowl is Flacco. Flacco. Uh, well, Rich Gannon, won, I yeah, guess. Yeah. Rich but, Gannon. But that, yeah, that was that was 2000, though, right? Wasn't it? Or was it I think Flacco was 2002, right? I think. I mean, uh, uh, Gannon yeah. was 2002. Right. Flacco came later, and, and we could yeah. have a whole long conversation about the Flacco year. Um, <laughs> but but basically, they're good every year, and they're like on the brink every year. And they've not really had. I mean, and you you might correct me on this. They haven't really had any heartbreak. I mean, in the Super Bowl, I guess there've been some heartbreaks. Um, but I mean, generally speaking, it's been a pretty clean ride for a long time with the Patriots. At some point when you're up 33, nine, you ought to be able to say, yeah, they're going to win this game. I mean, oh, you know, well, in your course, mind. look, no, no part of me is arguing. This is rational. It's, <laughs> it's utterly irrational. I mean, the, the uh, uh, here's the other, the crazy, the two crazier statistics to me about this run or number one, I believe it is true that the Patriots have not played a meaningless game. In other words, a game in which they had already been eliminated from contention since like December of 2000, maybe, or something like that. Yeah, yeah, they in in both of the years they didn't make the playoffs. The 11 and five year that Matt Cass was the quarterback and the nine and seven year, which was after their first uh, Super Bowl victory, they went into the last week of the season still having a chance to make the playoffs if they right. won and other people lost and it didn't work out. But they haven't played a single game when eliminated from contention since basically before Brady took over the team in 2001. I mean, it's ridiculous. And the other one is Brady is now 24 and nine in the playoffs. That's his playoff record, which, you know, 24 victories is a record and sure. he has every record. But that, if you break that down, that basically means he's played two extra seasons of football, two extra 16-game seasons, and then another game, uh, and has gone basically 12-4 and four in both of those seasons. So he's had, two, yeah, he's basically had two 12-4 seasons in the playoffs against all of the other great teams in the AFC and NFC, ultimately. So... No, of of course, of course, I should expect it. Of course, any rational person would expect it, and and it it, it, is, it has nothing to do with, at some level, the run, the actual facts. It has zero to do with facts. It has much more to do with a, a kind of weird, like a residual expectation of failure that even the most insane run of success for any city in any fifteen year stretch could ever have. <laughs> And then also just, I think, the game of football being so scary. It's a very scary game. I, I was texting my friends while watching the game and saying, I don't like the way the game makes me feel as a fan, even when my team is winning. And to be fair to me, I think I 
when I texted that, it was like 10 to 7 early on in the game. It wasn't like 33 to 9. But it's just a very, it's a very, uh, it's a very gut-wrenching experience to just watch a football game, I think. Yeah, you, you should watch it as a Browns fan. All right, that's that's what it's really a gut-wrenching experience, you know. Of course. But I I do understand what you're saying. I do actually get and your part point. of what part of what I'm saying is it's gut wrenching for me who has it better than everyone. Like that that's <laughs> I have it as good as you can have it. There's no way no fan of any team in any era has ever been in a better position than I am and other Patriots fans are right now. It's never happened and I still don't totally I can't just enjoy the experience. I and maybe that's just me. I I I would be interested to like take a straw poll of other people to see how they feel. But, uh, you know, I'm, of course, of course it's worse if you're, it's worse if you're a fan of every other team. (laughs) Every other fan of every other team is in a worse position than I am. And still, when I watch the games, I get like this weird clenching feeling in my gut. I, I can't explain it. Well, I think I do think most fans feel that. I mean, I am just giving you kind of a hard time. Uh, Every time I watch a hockey uh, playoff game, which is, I think we would agree hockey in the playoffs is like the greatest thing ever. And and it'll go to um, overtime, and I'll tend to tweet something out like, oh my gosh, there is nothing cooler than a Game 7 hockey game that goes into overtime, and I will immediately get the text from fans on both teams basically saying, not if you're a fan of one of these teams, right? Because that if you're a fan then you're dying. And if right. you're somebody like me just watching it for fun, yeah, this is the great look at this is so awesome, but they're not enjoying it. You know, if you're a if you're a fan of the Penguins and 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 you know whoever, Lightning, and they go to overtime, you're dying while somebody like me is watching going, wow, this is great. Let let this go on <laughs> forever. And they're like, I'm gonna die if this thing goes over more, you know, than one overtime. So I do get it. I just think that there should come a point where it doesn't. I'm not saying that you ever are arrogantly like going, "Oh, this game's over. It's seven nothing." And so I'm not. I'm not saying that should ever be the feeling. I'm just saying that the extreme part of it that I feel as a Browns fan. Okay, if I'm a Browns fan, they're up thirty three nine, which would never happen. But if they were <laughs> up thirty three nine, they'd still lose the game, and 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 they'd find a way to do it. But the Patriots aren't finding a way to lose a 33-9. It's, it's never happened. It's never going to happen. That's just not who the Patriots are. So, um, anyway. Yeah, I mean, there's like, there's obviously, there's the rational part of this and there's the irrational part of it. Right. And the rational That's part of it is, thing. and I remember talking to every Patriots fan I knew after they beat the greatest show on turf, Rams, and saying, literally saying these words, this team never has to give me anything for the rest of my life. Like that, it really, and I still feel that way. I felt after that game, after that crazy wild upset that no one in the world saw coming. They were 14 point or 16 point underdogs. The biggest underdog in history. It was, I was, it was Buster Douglas and Mike Tyson. And the, when they won in such dramatic fashion, I really, that's what I thought. And I, and the next year they went nine and seven and missed the playoffs. And my reaction was like, well, nine and seven, not bad. All right. Like, that's fine. Like I, the, and then when they won the Super Bowl in the next two years, it was mind blowing. And every year after that, it's been mind blowing. And everyone I know who roots for the team 
has the same feeling, which is like, I, li- I can't believe this. I, how they did it again. They're 14-2. <laughs> and two. Again, they have a first-round bye. Again, they won the AFC Championship again. And so that rational part of it is, is very present. We all feel it, and we all talk about it. And, we, and, and, if, and if whatever happens in this game, if Brady and Belichick retire, and if, and if the team, if the Patriots don't win a playoff game for 30 years, I won't bat an eye. It won't matter. It won't, I won't have any bad feelings or ill will towards the team. I will remember for as long as I live this incredible run, and I will feel grateful. Um, but that that rational part of it has very little to do with the moment by moment like vicissitudes of a, of a of watching a game. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So what about the Falcons? What, your your thoughts about the Falcons like going in and then now as a Patriots fan, what, what do you think about this game? I I love the Falcons. I, think I the do Falcons too. I think they're like I have no. I think there's a very good chance they win. I the the line was open at like Pats by three. And if I didn't have a rooting interest, I would absolutely have taken a bet on the Falcons. And if I bet on football, I guess, which I right. don't. You don't. Um, but I, I do not. No, I've never bet on football. Uh, Ever? So, in your entire life? No, I don't. I may have made like a $5. I don't really think I have. I, it, it's too nerve-wracking just watching the games. I can't <laughs> have like a monetary interest. It feels crazy. Um, I I love the team. I find their offense to be incredibly entertaining. I like their coaches. I think they're a great team. I've and like I I'm, you know, if they if the if the Patriots end up losing to the Falcons, it it won't be everybody who I talked to wanted the Giants. It was like that's a, the final piece of the puzzle is we got to beat the Giants. I wanted no part of the Giants. You, wanted, you didn't I, want that at all. I, no, no, that you've got to be crazy because just losing to the Giants three times in the Super Bowl would would be terrible. Losing to the Giants <laughs> twice and then losing to the Falcons, okay, fine. Like the Falcons beat you. Like they're a great team. I have nothing against the Falcons. They've never won the Super Bowl if they win, I will. I'll, I'll rise to my feet and applaud them for a job well done. I have no problem with them at all. So, and and also they're incredibly entertaining. I mean, they have like eleven skill players who should it's be amazing. in the Pro Bowl. Yeah, I mean, and they're so fast and they're so like they're they're just a well designed team. They're a well run team. Like I have no I have no issues with them at all. What you know what I was I was watching that playoff game. Uh, you know the 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 NFC Championship game, and I was watching it, and I kept having the same thought over and over again. And it's not necessarily counter to to what I used to think. I mean, it's not like I had like a like a oh wow I've never thought of that before. But I was watching that game. I was like. Man, Matt Ryan is really good. I mean, really, really good. And I yeah. always thought, yeah, he's a very good quarterback. I've never had any any you know, I've never thought he was a like a you know, a fraud or his numbers weren't weren't real. And he obviously had the the rough year last year, but I, I never had any negative thoughts about him. But it was watching him during this playoff run particularly that I thought, oh, that guy is like really good. Like like upper echelon top of the line quarterback and and uh I'm I'm giving it to him. I, I thought he was fantastic in both those games. I would say tell me if you agree with this or disagree. I would say that anything from a twenty eight point Falcons win to a twenty eight point Patriots win is possible. Do you agree? It's in play. I would agree with that. I would agree yeah. with that. I mean, you know, twenty eight points is a lot. I mean I'm not sure. Here's the thing. I, and the Patriots obviously have this this defense that somehow keeps people from scoring points. 
I mean, it, it's not like there's an obvious nature in how they do it. I mean, they're they're obviously very solid all the way around, but they're not like not like a dominating type of defense in the in the way that we've tended to think of them. And yet, they led the league in 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 points allowed uh, this year, uh, which you know that's who they are. The Falcons offense I don't believe can be stopped I don't believe now obviously I would have said the same thing about the the greatest show on turf uh Rams and and he found a way to do it uh so you know so but it seems to me that I don't think the Falcons are going to stop the the uh, Brady uh Patriots I don't think the Patriots are really going to be able to stop the Falcons so I I see high scoring and I see close, but but I mean I don't think it's impossible that I'm wrong on one of those things, and which would give you a 28 point swing either way. Um, but I don't I really see high scoring and I really see close. I mean, what do you think? I feel like the final score of this game is like 48 to yeah. 37 <laughs> or something. Like I really oh. I I think it's like a I mean the thing is is when a game takes on that kind of flow when it's just like you know you know people flying up and down the sidelines and and like you know you know Julio Jones takes a three-yard slant and turns it into a 78-yard touchdown and that kind of thing like what happens very frequently in those games is like then just crazy stuff starts happening there's pick sixes and there's pun returns for touchdowns and there's like I and and so that's where you could get you could theoretically get your like 45-24 yeah, or, you know, forty-eight to twenty-seven, or you know, you could you could get into a, a situation where, you know, the the score at halftime is like twenty-four twenty-four, and then one team or the other just kind of you know pulls away or something. But I don't. I mean, the the Patriots' defense is the number one scoring defense, and that tends to mean something when it comes to these matchups. Like the number one scoring offense against the number one scoring defense. If you look at all those stats, it it usually favors the defense, but. You're right. The Patriots' number one scoring defense isn't exactly the Legion of Boom Seahawks right. or the right. or that Tampa Bay defense from you know the Warren Sapp era or whatever. It's it's like a it's a kind of Swiss Army knife kind of jack of all trades. Like everybody is like a solid B all the way around, and then they've got a couple kind of key people in key positions who who are like A minuses. But I just don't know. I don't. I mean, they the Falcons have have seven or eight guys who can catch passes <laughs> and like no yeah. other team no one and and a quarterback by the way who can make the reads that he needs to make in order to get the ball to one of those seven or eight guys so and that you know, and that it, offensive line protects him i mean he gets he gets time and forget it because somebody's getting open first of all i do not believe it's possible to cover julio jones i don't no. think i just it's just not you put two people on him it doesn't matter he just you can't cover him and if you do put two people on him or three um they've got a ton of other weapons i mean you yeah. know Sanu and i mean that i don't think they're stoppable but i also don't think their defense is that great and i think that the, the patriots are going to score i think you're right it'll come down to a pick six it'll come down to to a punt return it'll be something like that that'll completely shift the game around but i think high scoring and i think close it's been a while since there's been a real shootout like the last team that scored a lot of like what you consider to be a lot of points in the super bowl is the that Seahawks team that beat the Broncos 43 to nine or whatever. Like, right. you know, in the old days we had like crazy shootouts, you know, the, the 49ers would put up 50 points or the, or the 
you know, it, you had those like high, really high flying games. Usually they were blowouts, but blowouts. I, yeah, I'm kind of I'm kind of anticipating a game where both teams are deep into the 30s or maybe the 40s, and it's like a. I mean, it, we're sort of owed that a little bit. Like we've had we've had some pretty good Super Bowls. There was a period of time, as you well remember. When the Super Bowl was just a terrible route every year. Every NFC, year. Usually yeah. the NFC just blowing the AFC out of the water. And then, but it recently, except for that Broncos uh, Seahawks game, the, the games have been pretty close. And in fact, this is the seventh Super Bowl for the Belichick Patriots. And every single game has been whatever it is, four points or fewer, five points or fewer, I think. So usually when the Patriots play in the Super Bowl, and there's, it's actually almost a statistically significant number of times <laughs> to, to, to make a calculation like this, usually it's a close game. And I, so I, I believe it'll be a close game, but I also think it'll be a, a very high scoring. I think so. I think so. All right, before we go, I have to ask you, and, and I know this is uh, going to be a touchy one, um, but you were just talking about the rational and irrational sides of being a fan. Sure. Uh, on the rational side, there are a lot of people uh, in New England, which is, uh, you know, for the most part, decidedly liberal. Uh, <laughs> you see where I'm going with this? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And and obviously, Tom Brady uh, has come out as a, a big fan and friend of Donald Trump. Uh, Bill Belichick wrote the now famous letter to Donald Trump that he read the day before the election. Robert Kraft is a big Trump guy. Where, where, where are you on this? Where, where do you stand on this? This is a tough one, to be honest. I mean, first of all, I, I assumed being uh, having followed Bill Belichick and his like sort of views towards non-football related issues that I was never going to know one way or the other who <laughs> which right, presidential right. candidate he supported. So the real shock at some level was that he just came out of the shadows and 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 voiced his opinion. Uh I don't uh, there are some patriot fans who are just like I'm done with them. Forget it. Like I and I, you know, I hear them and I, I want I I'm pretty close to that myself uh, because my personal uh, political and social views don't match up super well with Donald Trump's. Um, But I also have this feeling, you know, it's, it's, there's not really a comparable um, issue in other, in other facets of life. Like there's no direct analog and I don't want anyone to mistake this for a direct analogy, but it, there's a little bit of like the steroids thing in baseball at work where morality and sports starts to mix and you start to think like and and obviously that's a completely different issue because that's about the competition on the field it's not about social issues it's it's again it's not a great analogy but the question then becomes like how how much does like your own sense of personal ethics and morality factor into sports fandom and it's a dicey thing it's like if you start looking to uh, your sports franchises for for morality, especially boy in the NFL, uh, you're going to be disappointed. <laughs> generally yeah. speaking, it's not um, it's not easy to compartmentalize either and completely divorce yourself from what is very plainly in front of your face. I will say that I have been heartened by the the, the sort of way in which ver- a lot of athletes are being very outspoken about the way they feel. By the way, on both sides of these issues, but I, the way that Popovich and Steve Kerr and Stan Van Gundy and a lot of guys in the NBA have just come out and said, I mean, that was what was really disappointing to me in a certain way was uh, Popovich came out and said what he said and, and continues to say what he said. 
Sure. And and he is a pretty good analogy for Belichick in the NBA. He is a he's a coach with essentially lifelong tenure. He took over a pretty moribund franchise and won a million. He's he's you know he's the best coach in the NBA. Everybody knows. Sure. That. Oh, he's yeah. won five NBA championships. His teams are great every year. They completely turn over their roster and they're still great. Uh, and also, by the way, he's a coach in Texas. Like, <laughs> he's not a coach in in deep blue New England. He's a coach in Texas. And I found it pretty cool that he was like, "This is how I feel. This is what I think. This is, a, and I'm going to express it." I personally wish that when Bill Belichick or Tom Brady opened his mouth about any of this stuff, that what he said was a lot closer to what Popovich said or what Steve Kerr has said. It's not, and so, yeah, that's another factor here. Like, I, it's not amazing. It, for me personally and for a lot of other Patriots fans, it's pretty disappointing. But, well, but- if you, again, if, you, if you're counting on, um, you know, the NFL, 31 owners and then a weird collective of people in Wisconsin who own the Packers, <laughs> uh, like of those 32 owners and ownership groups how many of them are trump supporters probably most of them they're all billionaires and they're all you know they're all like ruthless capitalist businessmen so they're all probably supporting him so when other people have said to me like how can you support the team it's like well your team i mean arthur blank runs the falcons he founded home depot i'm guessing if you could dig into his voting history you'd find some pretty unpleasant stuff i don't know that for sure at all, I really don't. He, for all I know, he's a he's a Bernie Sanders supporter. <laughs> um, but it, the real question is like, do you do you go to sports for like social ethics? And I, and if you do, and that's fine if you do. But if you do, you're just going to be disappointed very frequently, no matter what side of the aisle you end up on. Well, but let me ask you it this way, because I think all of what you said is is true from a very logical perspective. Um, but I think we've already talked about, I think sort of the focus of, of the, of the podcast this week is how illogical it is to be a fan and how, so my question then is, do you really, do you have a choice? I mean, as a, you're a lifelong Patriots fan, uh, since you were a little kid, it's not like you can just, well, you can, of course you can, you know, everybody can say, well, you can just stop, but can you really just stop? I mean, can you really be anything other than what you are. I mean, it, 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 my, I guess my question is um, something happens that you are, it doesn't have to be the Trump thing. I mean, obviously the Trump situation for you is, is, and, and is personal. And for me, it's personal and whatever, but whatever happens, let's say there's something that your team does that you are so thoroughly against whatever it may be political, social, whatever it may be. Can you just stop? Can you just stop being a fan? I mean, is that really even an option? It's a good question. I mean, obviously you can. Like, and I, I did certain things long before any of this happened. Uh, and I know, by the way, before I say this, that I'm basically admitting that I'm a complete hypocrite. <laughs> I'm aware of the hypocrisy <laughs> in what I'm about to say. But I was so annoyed, disturbed, and kind of disgusted by a lot of the stuff that happened in the NFL speaking specifically about domestic violence issues, about the concussion stuff, about Roger Goodell and the way he runs the league, about the deflate gate nonsense, all of that stuff. Um, you know, obviously some of that stuff is way more important than some of the right. other stuff. But it was like one thing after another, and the issues felt very serious to me. And I was sort of like, all right, well, I'm going to not give them any more of my money. Like, as much as I can, 
I, I love the game. I've always loved the game. I'll, I always, uh, I've watched it since I was a kid. But I'm going to, so I got rid of the football package. I don't have the package anymore on DirecTV. And I stopped buying any kind of NFL licensed, you know, uh, jerseys or T-shirts or anything. It was presents for people or for my son or any of that stuff. As much as I could, I've tried not to give them money because I just don't, you know, I don't, I don't like the way the league is run in many ways. Now, I still watch games, you know, right. when the Patriots are playing on Sunday night. It's hard for me not to watch the game. I still watch... I watch other games when they're on, like I still follow the game. I try as hard, you know, and this is the, just the deal with everything. And I mean, I've been writing this show, The Good Place for, for a year now <laughs> and thinking a lot about ethics and morality and like the impossibility of living an eth- a purely ethical life and, and how you're constantly sort of confronted with these ethical quandaries, these moral quandaries that are big and small. And, you know, I could, I could look, I could completely boycott the NFL and I could go on a one man crusade to to stop the NFL's uh you know popularity in America. I work for NBC. They pay, they pay the NFL a billion dollars a year to air you know a game every Sunday night. Like there's no way to completely sidestep it, you know, even if you don't know that you're supporting the NFL in some ways. You are because you're buying Budweiser or you're driving a car that advertises on the on you know on the NFL. So it's it's impossible to be pure about this. It's impossible to like live a perfect life. You kind of do what you think is makes you feel good or or you think is the right thing to do, and then you absorb the inevitable kind of body blow of finding yourself caught in an impossible situation. So, I, can you could could I really give up being a Patriots fan? I could. Yeah. I mean, what would that really mean? I don't watch any of their games. I don't follow them anymore. I I tell my son to uh to like he should root for uh he should watch an Australian rules football tournament or something to you know or should get really but like but you know I love sports and like you find these same moral quandaries if you follow you know FIFA soccer if you follow you know to some extent the NBA there's problems in every organization every league there's going to be things that you run into so uh, you know I again, it's like you, you you try your best. Like I try to be conscientious about it where I can, and and but you're right. I I've been following the Patriots since I was four years old. I grew up in New England. Like I, it's hard. Like the tribalism runs deep, and I don't want to. Sure it I, does. I don't want to totally get rid of it because I love football and I love sports and I love that team. So it's dicey. It is dicey. It is. I feel dicey. like the we'll answer just... might be become a Browns fan. <laughs> well, I've said that all along. I mean, because if you want to talk about an organization that has no moral quandaries, right there. <laughs> yeah, because they'd have to win occasionally in they'd order have to, to be win put a, in a you compromising know, position. Look how generous they are to every other team in the NFL. I mean, look at that. Yeah, year in, very, year out. It's a very giving franchise, a very <laughs> empathetic, very other-directed. Yeah, no, you're they totally are. right. They're, they're very giving. All right. <laughs> uh, so we, we, we uh, talked about this last week. Uh, we said we were going to end the podcast with uh, one more meaningless thing to end this meaningless thing, right? Is that what we called it? One, one last meaningless thing to end one. this meaningless thing, yes. And you start. Oh, I start. So the idea here is just to just to be clear is it's literally anything, right? Anything. It's like literally it's the, it's, anything. It's literally anything, and it's short, and it's nothing, and it's it's utterly pointless and purposeless. It's, exactly. Okay, my one last meaningless thing, the endless meaningless thing is, I think it's very funny 
that we continue to separate like we make our own judgments about which items should go into recycling bins versus which <laughs> items should go into garbage cans when we have essentially no information and when it's pretty clear that they're all being brought to the same place and just all then dumped into one big vat and then probably all just gone into a dump. <laughs> but like I, you make these decisions, you're like, well, this is a pizza box and there's some melted cheese on it. And I've been told that melted cheese and like oil gunks up the works of the recycling. So I'm going to put this one in the trash, but this cereal box, I'm going to carefully fold. That's definitely recycling. And none of us has any idea that absolutely no idea what belongs in which container. Uh, I could not agree with more uh, with that. Just, just generally could not agree more. All right. My last meaningless thing to end this meaningless thing. Uh, I went the other day to a movie theater uh and this might be common in in the swanky la world um but you actually bought a seat for the movie theater like you actually had an actual seat number like row b uh you know seat seven which is normally uh not how it works normally it's sort of the southwest airlines find a seat and sit wherever you want uh but this was one of those uh where you actually buy the seat um, which I think is way better. I am totally in favor of that. I actually do think out in LA that, that that's a relatively common thing. Uh, I think this should go across the country, the you buy a seat thing, because it made the whole experience so much better to, to go to a movie. First of all, you could buy a seat. You actually can buy where you want to sit. You don't have to worry about getting to the theater late and having to be sitting in the front row or whatever. Um you don't have to like ask people to move and give me an extra seat. And can you maybe move over so my kid can all of the nonsensical things. And it made me realize that movies are basically the last thing where we do this sort of general. I mean, I guess they're concerts, uh, but they're usually standing room concerts where you have the general admission. Um, so anyway, my, my thing is that should be a new thing for all of America. You should be able to buy a seat when you go to the movie theater. I'm, I have to say I'm shocked. I mean, that's been the case out here for 10 years. Or wow. See, that's, it's not a big thing around the country. I got to tell you. Interesting. I did not yeah. know that. There you go. Uh, yeah, I mean, I know it's in New York too, and and in yeah, it's uh, it's in New York. it's 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 in you know your liberal America, whatever that is. You know, <laughs> rest of us in real America, we have to like fight for our seats. It's not right. Yeah, I mean, of the things that the internet is good for, to me, like that was at the top of the list. Oh my like, god! Just like oh, you can now just yeah now you because it, it, actually when I first moved out here in two thousand four, you would go to a theater for like a big movie. You were in. You had to get there an hour early and get in right, line. Right. Right. Now you don't. You don't. You don't got to do that no more. You, you don't uh, got to do that no more. Yeah. All right. Well, there you go. We we finished off another one. As True, always, truly, uh, truly meaningless things. I think we did a good job in terms. Oh, of I meaning. think I think we're yeah. good. That is something we are going to be good at. Is coming up with meaningless <laughs> things. All right. As always, thank you. Thank you for having me.